Well, we've come to chapter eight, where we're going to talk about getting actively involved in serving the church. It's also the chapter on gifts. That's another way to say it. Uh, certainly our memory verse that is to be learned prior to this chapter is uh, perfect for encapsulating what we're trying to talk about, that God has gifted each person in the church and that we are supposed to employ those gifts to exercise that manifold grace, that varied grace of God in the church for the good of the church, to build up the church, to serve the church. That's what this chapter is all about. And it can be controversial because uh, discussion about spiritual gifts can be controversial, but the goal is to um, really capture what the title says, and that is to make sure that your disciple, your partner at the end of this chapter uh, has a real clear focus on being involved in some way in the church to use his or her gifts to build up the church, to be an asset to the church in some way. So let's start by dealing with the first section. Right out of the gate, we wanna spend a little bit of time thinking about the importance of getting every person involved. Uh, the old adage that 20% uh, of the people in the church do 80% of the work just will not do for a healthy church. We cannot function that way and be the kind of church that's winning people to Christ, building them up, discipling them, getting them grounded in the truth of God's word, uh, dealing with problems and temptations and, and, and struggles. We, we need a church where everybody is doing their part. So we spend a couple of pages at the outset of the chapter uh, doing what we can to draw attention to that and then your job as the partner's leader is to get your partner to see how critical it is that no matter how uh, visible uh, that their role may end up being uh, or how behind the scenes it may be, uh, they need to be faithful to get involved. They have a stewardship and they need to be uh, employing their gifts and uh, uh, really serving in a way that uh, brings glory to God by having the church be healthy and every part of the church doing its work. So uh, this is important and, and we wanna make sure that we spend time uh, making sure that every partner feels this, senses this, and gets this as it relates to those passages uh, that are going to draw this need to the surface. And uh, it's just the expectation always has been in the church, but unfortunately uh, today the church looks more uh, in some ways like a, a spectator uh, event and we just can't have that. And partners is, is the time and the place and the setting to make sure we dispel that thinking once and for all in this chapter. In the next section, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to try and glean from that wealth of information in that text uh, to try and understand God's mind on our responsibility to be good stewards of uh, what He's invested in us and to be an active part of the church. Uh, and I understand that some of what is here may feel a bit technical. We get into some of the Greek words in verses four, five, and six, uh, but it's important because we wanna dispel some myths, or I should even say some kind of one-dimensional ways to think through this topic. So uh, we go to some length here, and if we move through it carefully and slowly and make sure that your partner understands the distinctions that we're making, uh, hopefully we can avoid some confusion and even overturn some longstanding uh, uh, narrow definitions as it relates to gifts and giftedness. Uh, not that it's a bad idea to think about his uh, endowment or his uh, giving to us special abilities or talents or, or skills in the church, but there's much more to it than that as we see in the opening section of 1 Corinthians 12. When we move 
you through that in the chapter. We get your partner to think about that in terms of ministry and what we're doing and opportunities to serve, uh, as opposed to being stymied and kind of, uh, uh, you know, just overwhelmed, paralyzed maybe is a good word in, in thinking about uh, discovering my gift. Uh, we need to get involved. And you'll see that throughout this chapter that sometimes we just need to dive in uh, instead of just sitting on the, on the sidelines until we're, uh, you know, certain about what exactly uh, God has gifted us to do. So work through that section carefully. Uh, make sure that we understand why we're going to all the time uh, to, to look at the words that are used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and make sure they understand that we need to think broadly about how God is addressing this issue in the Bible and that He's just looking for everyone to get involved in some way in the body of Christ. In the next section, we've got some charts that I think are critically important to prove a point. And while this is a long section in the chapter, uh, it doesn't have to be a, a super long discussion unless there's uh, some confusion about how God is describing these ministries or services in the church. Uh, and uh, if we're too locked into the kind of the old school definitions of trying to look at a list uh, of a certain number of things mentioned in the Bible, then trying to somehow take some assessment gift test or something to uh, figure out which one I have and then think about getting involved in ministry. I try to dispel all that and what we've covered, but then when we turn to the lists, that's what really tries to uh, establish this point. Uh, we look at the three lists within 1 Corinthians itself, and I try to show as we fill those lists in uh, that there are no two lists are alike, and that's very important. Uh, this only really works well if we're working out of the same translation. The list may look a little differently uh, if we're using different translations. So make sure we're using one translation. It's good if we use the ESV because that's what it's based on. Uh, and certainly the verses that are printed there are in the ESV. But if we move through it carefully and we just list the gifts that we see in each of those passages, we start to see how some are repeated, some are added, some are left off. And we start to get back to that idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 uh, five and six, that we're talking more broadly about uh, being utilized in some kind of service or ministry in the church and not just looking for some special endowment. Certainly it includes that. To be gifted by God to do something means that He's going to invest in us uh, certain abilities and skills, but beyond that, He just wants everybody to pick up uh, some post in the church and get involved and get to work. And the variety of lists certainly help us see uh, that uh, this is not a set list. This is a, these are a set of examples is what they are. So we start in 1 Corinthians 12, we list those out, we start to see the pattern, then we take our uh, composite list from 1 Corinthians and we can compare it now to the other passages, the three other passages that are going to uh, list gifts in the other parts of the New Testament. After we go to the work of filling in these charts, uh, we are continuing to make observations about them, uh, particularly as it relates to uh, who gets what list and uh, what book is it set in. We start to make observations like uh, the more specific the audience, uh, the more detailed the list. Things like that help us to recognize uh, what Paul is doing and how he's doing it. We also start to recognize that these lists overlap, that uh, these aren't just individual uh, gifts and, and, and offices, that sometimes we see that one particular ministry is going to involve all kinds of uh, aspects of the other ministries that are listed there. So that's why we go to the trouble of putting those charts out there and then also the concentric circles and the, the boxes and all of that. So if you, if you read it carefully and, and, and you take those texts into consideration, uh, considering their um, 
their audience and how they overlap and we can begin to draw some conclusions which is what we do in the next section. After making the observations that we make, we try to draw some conclusions, which I do understand can be controversial depending on what one's background is in this. Uh, certainly I grew up in a church where you know there was a set number of gifts and we had to figure out which one I had and then I had to do something as it relates to that gift. So to begin to make observations like um, you know there is no set list, that these are examples, uh, even that might be received with some uh, apprehension. Uh, but I think it's hard to ignore that conclusion, and it's also very freeing to recognize uh, that as Paul gives examples throughout the New Testament, and Peter as well, the broadest examples, uh, that these are, um, these are examples of what the church needs to do the job that it does. And it helps me to think through uh, maybe that kind of uh, second-class citizen thinking that we have when we look at something that's clearly needed in the church, but we don't find it in the New Testament. This is uh, very important, I think, to avoid that kind of um, uh, feeling that this job is not all that spiritual because it's not in the list. If you're working a soundboard or you're doing some kind of tech ministry, clearly we need that in the modern church and there are certain people that are needed to do that, uh, but uh, they may not have the same kind of uh, respect as uh, someone who's uh, maybe uh, preaching the Word or doing something that we can clearly see on the list in the New Testament. So this is important and we don't have to try to fit everything into the helps uh, gift or all of that. We can, we can we can go and say, listen, there's a church that we have. It has needs. We know what those ministries are, what those ministry needs are, what people need to do to serve to make the church healthy, and we need to man those posts and get people involved in doing them. The last conclusion that we draw certainly is the most controversial among Christians, and that has to do with what I call the foundational gifts. And maybe it's even helpful to frame this whole discussion the way we do in our chapter, which is coming at it from the perspective of the lists of gifts or offices or ministries in the New Testament, the services that need to be done in the church, uh, and looking at them from that perspective instead of just jumping into the question of miracles, should we expect them, that kind of thing. We get there, but we need to begin to look at these um, needs in the church, in the early church, uh, particularly in the New Testament, without a written New Testament, we talk about the offices of apostle and prophet. We go to Ephesians 2. Uh, all of that is important to uh, at least establish the case in churches like this one, uh, the church that I pastor, where we come to conclusions about uh, what gifts we expect. And if we expect the gifts that are associated with the apostles and prophets uh, to be active in the church today, the miraculous gifts, the breaking of natural law, uh, I'm not talking about God's providential miraculous work. He's doing that all the time uh, around the world in every church. But the question is, do we expect that kind of uh, instantaneous creative miracle to be taking place uh, through a group of people in the church? And of course, I build my case uh, from my understanding of the New Testament there in that section. And you can walk through that carefully uh, with your partner. And uh, if there is controversy, you can you know, defer to your pastors in your church. If you go to a different church than the one I pastor, certainly deferring to your pastors on this and consulting with them, that's important. Should be some uh, unanimity, some willingness to defer to the leadership of your particular church as it relates to these doctrinal issues, these theological controversies. So that's kind of the end of the observations and drawing conclusions. All is real foundation to get to the 
the, the most important part of this chapter, and that gets real personal about what is my involvement going to be in the church. So hopefully you don't get bogged down in what comes up to this point in the chapter, uh, though it can spark some controversy and a lot of questions, and maybe some that you won't be able to or won't have time to answer in your meeting, uh, but you can defer some of that to get to the place where you're gonna deal with the real question of the chapter, and that is what is your partner going to be doing uh, to serve his or her church? This next section, extremely practical, critically important. Uh, it's titled with questions to ask because I give four uh, diagnostic questions basically to think through um, how I'm going to decide where I get involved. That is the real issue. And uh, talk first about uh, needs that I see. Uh, things that uh, I think are needed in the church, and usually that's related to giftedness and, and calling people that see a need. I mean, oftentimes that's the first prompt that we have, that they might be uh, the one that God is utilizing and preparing to, to meet that need. Um, we've got to have some desire uh, to get involved in that and uh, some prompting too. And then we need to make sure, and this is the hardest one, that our help is helpful. That's how I put it. Uh, because there's a lot of people that aspire to do a lot of things in church, but we have to make sure that what we're doing is affirmed by leadership in the church, that that's helpful, not even by our peers and those that we're serving. Uh, I mean, you, you, someone may have a great desire to be a singer in the church uh, or to preach in the church or whatever it might be, and, and if there's not that, that ability that God grants, that enablement, the empowerment to do it, and, and they can't do it uh, adequately or do it well or do it with any good... Uh, product or end result, then we, we just can't affirm that as uh, something your partner should be involved in. And this is the hard thing. This is where hurt feelings uh, get involved and people, you know, I, I want to do this and they don't think I'm good at it. Uh, it. All I can say is you need to use a lot of, uh, of skill and insight here uh, to even prepare your partner that maybe their aspiration in, in the church may uh, need to be adjusted at some point and they need to be open to that. Uh, we need to make sure our help is helpful, and I spend a lot of time in that section trying to uh, work through how to think about that. That's certainly the longest part of those four diagnostic questions. That third one, you need to spend time on that. You've got to talk about that, and uh, maybe even share some of your own experience of when you have aspired to do something and you had to make an adjustment because it really wasn't your forte. That would be helpful in this particular section of the manual. Then the last question, just getting them involved. What are you going to do this week? How will you get involved? What's the step you're going to take? And certainly the accountability of partners is ideal for this because you're going to help make sure that they do something to contribute to the good of the church in some practical way. And uh, that's why that last question is there in this section. It was my hope to end this eighth chapter, or at least the study part of it, with uh, something that would be motivating to make sure that people don't put it off. There's a lot of people that say, you know, I will serve the Lord, but I, I need to wait for another season of life or another time, or I want to get through this first or this season of life critical that we motivate them by the fact that we don't even know when our last opportunity will be here. Uh, Christ could return tomorrow. We couldn't be here tomorrow. James is clear that we, we can't count on tomorrow. We need to get involved now. And so I just want to motivate them with those verses from Peter about being ready to get involved now, uh, to see it as something critical to do and not leave it for another time. And by that, I, I'm not meaning like right this second, uh, you know, I'm putting it in context of, of getting involved and not pushing it beyond this particular season of life or stage of life, uh, getting involved now. 
that is, um, I hope the passage is going to do that, but if you can come alongside your partner to get them to see uh, that um, even though they might be busy, uh, there's a, uh, an urgency about serving the Lord in the body of Christ, then they need to jump in with both feet. So that's what this chapter is about. I know there's some controversy in it, and the reading list may help. There's several books there that are going to deal with the controversy of miraculous sign gifts, and by that, again, I mean the breaking of natural law. There might be a book or two in there that you will, will uh, want to uh, pick up uh, and, and to read. And, of course, that reading list is going to reflect my particular theological uh, understanding of the New Testament, but uh, that is there for your resource. I annotate them all as I do in every chapter so you can see uh, my thoughts on what the book is doing or what it's good for in terms of how it can help people think through the topic. So utilize those as you can, and you may not be able to do it in your first pass through partners, but uh, you can star a couple yourself and get back to them later, or buy them and have them available for you to get into later. So keep the controversy quelled if you can. Uh, defer some of the, the most uh, you know, uh, uh, problematic things for maybe a, an appointment with a pastor or two at your church. And uh, just make sure we get to the spirit of the chapter, the heart of the chapter, which is us getting every person in the body of Christ involved in serving the church.